I'm going to teach tonight on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to do this in such a way that you can teach others. Anybody? Wake us up, God. This is an awakening. This is a meeting where we're contending. Listen, the ignorance concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit is killing us in this hour. We need to have a thorough knowledge and understanding of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Say amen. Amen. I've been listening to critics of all the revivals and awakenings that are breaking out. Does anybody like to do that? I love it. I I love to listen and to tune in and to witness stale, dry intellectuals try to comprehend a move of God. It fascinates me. Because they can't understand it, they have to criticize it. Hello. This is what we've done with the Holy Spirit. We criticize His ministry because as a natural human tendency, when we do not understand something, we become fearful of it and we criticize it so we can dismiss it. So when we talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to listen with an open heart and an open mind because I'm not going to give you some kind of theory and tell you a whole bunch of weird stories. I'm going to teach the Word of God which bears witness of the Holy Ghost. The whole reason that Jesus ascended and said, it's better that I go away, it's to your advantage. Now if Jesus is in the flesh telling them, it's to your advantage, I go away, doesn't that make you think something better is coming? I mean, if we're losing our star quarterback, if we're losing our best hitter on the baseball team, and he says, don't worry, it's to your advantage, I go away, you better think a better hitter's coming. A better quarterback. A better why? Because Jesus was limited in location as God in flesh. But now the Holy Spirit has been poured out, and Christ Himself lives inside of every believer by faith through the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to understand something. Everybody that believes in Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells them. But not everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit. Not everyone is baptized in the Holy Ghost. We have a crisis in the church. I'm going to explain the charismatic evangelical divide to you tonight, and it's this. Some are saved, not all are filled. And I'm going to show it to you in the Word of God in a way that is linear so that you can take what I share tonight. I pray you'll take notes and write this down because I'm going to take us through a little guided tour. We're going to go together through the Scriptures. And this is supposed to be a blueprint for you to share with other people. So if you have friends, if you have family members, or if you tonight do not pray in the Holy Spirit, if you have not experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if If you're not even sure what I mean, I'm talking to you. Because when you experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing like it. The presence and the power of God overwhelms you. In the same way that you get baptized in water, you get baptized a full immersion in the Holy Spirit. But the problem that we have is that we think this is for some. So let me clear up one area of confusion. I hear people ask people, did you get the gift of tongues? The gift of tongues in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is a corporate gift when a tongue is given that requires an interpretation. When I talk about praying in the Spirit, I'm talking about as a result of being baptized in the Holy Ghost, this is a personal, private, devotional prayer that you have in a heavenly language where you speak mysteries to God, where you don't understand what you're saying He does, but your spirit man is being edified and things are shifting. The fastest way I know to shift an environment towards the things of the Spirit is to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you tonight that I would have quit this church a long time ago if I was not baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm not kidding. I'm not saying that for dramatic effect. I want you to know how precious and how powerful and why there's so much warfare over the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You will see people manifest all kinds of stuff. Come up against you like they've never... Guys, we have people that literally, their their lost family or their saved family didn't care what they were doing 
doing when they were in the world when they were lost. But when they got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden they had to come and put their fire out. So when I was drinking at bars and when I was going to clubs and when I was throwing my life away and headed for hell, you didn't care about me. But now that I pray in tongues, you're worried. That's the power of religious deception. Turn with me to Acts 19. You guys okay? I want you to contend with me tonight and go with me. Let's learn together. Acts 19. And while you're turning there, I want you to just write down, let's put up the first slide. I want you to have these references. Because the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was prophesied in these passages. You can write them down. Isaiah 44, 3. Ezekiel 39, 25 through 29. Zechariah 12, 10. And it was read tonight, Joel 2, 28 through 29. Probably the most famous of those, most well-known is the passage in Joel. But you need to know that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was prophesied in the Old Testament because God always purposed in His heart to pour out His Spirit on His people. When you read the Bible, you see that God's desire is to be among us. It's why there was a tabernacle. It's why there was a temple. Because God loves to be among His people. Y'all hearing me tonight? We need to snap out of it and wake up and contend. This is a real thing that's happening. There's warfare over this message, I'm telling you. If you try to comprehend this intellectually, you will fall short of what God wants to do. The reason why the baptism in the Holy Spirit is so hard for people to comprehend is because that's the whole point. Because you don't think your way into this. You get pulled into it by the presence and power of God. Are you all with me tonight? Acts 19, verse 1. And it came about that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper country, came to Ephesus and found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we have not heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Stop right there. This is the American conundrum right here. No, we've not heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Anybody in here have a highlighter? Here. Here's the Holy Spirit to much of the American church. He, he, he's a highlighter. He, he's the thing that's going to make the Bible pop to you. I love the illumination of the Holy Spirit, but I'm not free from the Word of God to limit Him to that. The Holy Spirit is a person. When you start teaching people that you can grieve the Spirit, you can quench the Spirit, you can resist the Spirit, you can insult the Spirit, you can blaspheme the Spirit, you start realizing He's a person and how I treat Him matters. Now, if you're worried that you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit because you used to believe that speaking in tongues was of the devil, or maybe you even taught people that. We know people that have repented. Listen, if you are worried that you've blasphemed the Spirit, you've not blasphemed the Spirit. Because if you had blasphemed the Spirit, you would not give a rip. We're talking about Pharaoh hardening his heart when the power of God is put on display through the plagues, and he's absolutely blaspheming God. You all there? Okay, so we've never even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. This is the problem in the church. Yeah, we've heard of Jesus. We've heard the gospel. We've, we believe in the cross. But the Holy Spirit, who's that? What's that? So this is our problem right here. Guys, this is a clincher for me. If you want to see people that don't believe in the Holy Ghost squirm, take them to Acts 19 and say, can you explain this to me? Can you show me, what does this mean to you? So no, we've never heard whether there's a Holy Spirit. Paul asks, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Paul says, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in Him who was coming after Him, that is, in Jesus. Now when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they go from John's baptism in water for repentance to being baptized in the name of Jesus. Now watch this. Paul lays his hands upon them in verse 6. The Holy Spirit came on them. They began doing what? 
speaking in tongues and prophesying. So when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you begin to experience His presence and His supernatural power, and you begin to speak in tongues and prophesy. You begin to do things enabled by the Spirit of God that you could not do apart from His presence. And there were about 12 men. So 12 of them. I've never heard of the Spirit of God. Paul lays his hands on them. If you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you need someone who's baptized in the Holy Spirit to lay their hands on you. This is a special earmark of apostolic ministry of imparting the Spirit of God, administering His baptism. Now let's go to Matthew 3. So if you're taking notes... Oops. Matthew 3, turn there with me. We're going to hit a couple of stops here, and I want to show you this in the Word so that you can teach others or so that you can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit tonight. Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist says, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me, who's that? Jesus, who is coming after me, is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove His sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John the Baptist is prophesying about the ministry of Jesus. Are you with me? And he's saying, Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I'm baptizing with water, just like those disciples saw you saw in Acts 19. They had, had the, they had had what John did, but they hadn't experienced the baptism of the Spirit yet. Okay, next passage, John 7. Y'all going to have to use those fingers tonight. We're going to work for it. Listen, because here's what I know. If you don't see it in the Word for yourself and the Holy Ghost doesn't help you to get it, there's no story I can tell you that will move you to faith. I believe in the presence and the power and the ministry of the Spirit because of sola scriptura. John seven thirty seven. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But this Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So John the Baptist prophesies that Jesus is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus is prophesying that you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And He's telling us what it's like. It's like rivers of living water flowing from our innermost being. He's speaking this of the Spirit of God. Next verse, John 20. Hang with me now. Again, if you write these references down, you can easily maneuver your way through the Scriptures and teach someone in about 30, 40 minutes about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. John 20, verse 19. When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus therefore said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So here we are, John prophesied it, Jesus prophesied the baptism, now He's breathing on the disciples and He's saying, receive the Spirit. He's resurrected, receive the Spirit. Acts 1, just a couple pages over. Just turn with me, Acts 1, 1. 
Luke writes, the first account, I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by His own authority. Verse 8, But you shall receive power. Say power. Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. So Jesus promises baptism in the Holy Spirit. He's breathed on them at this point. They've received the Spirit, but He's promising that what you've received, I'm now going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. But you have to wait. And they were found in the place praying together. Acts 2, verse 1. Next stop. I know we're moving quickly. Acts 2.1 And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So this is the outpouring that Jesus promised, that John prophesied about, that the Holy Spirit is going to pour out upon you and there's tongues of fire and they begin to experience God's presence. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. So you can hear about Jesus, but you cannot be filled with the Spirit of God. Can I tell you something? The baptism of the Holy Ghost is so precious that the enemy will do anything that he can to rob you of this. He will, by whatever means necessary, convince you that this isn't even for today, or perhaps it is, but it is for others. Which is why you have to understand there's a distinction. I'm not talking about the corporate gift of tongues where you speak on a microphone, a message in tongues, addressing a congregation, and there must be an interpretation. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where as a result of being baptized in the Spirit, you have a heavenly language with which you speak to God and pray. Are you with me? That doesn't require an interpretation, but can I tell you, by babbling in tongues, by speaking in a language that you don't understand, you will be able to interpret things in your own life. You will be able to understand things that you could not. I'm telling you, if you're confused, pray in the Holy Spirit. You say, how does that make sense? Well, how does it make sense that the first shall be last and the last shall be first? How does it make sense that the greatest in Jesus' kingdom are those that serve? Nobody wants to serve. Not in our natural person. We want to be king. And yet the king is saying, no, I've come to be the least among you and to serve. Remember, this is an upside down. God takes the wisdom of the world. He takes the wisdom of men and He confounds them with His wisdom. I'm going to tell you straight up, the reason why some people don't pray in tongues is because they're too smart. I'm not trying to insult anybody. I'm genuinely trying to help you as a brother. People that are analytical, people that are, that are numbers process or you, it's, it's, it seems like it's a, a, you got a little farther out that you got to go to get there. You're like, well, well I need, I, this is why 
When let's say people that grow up Baptist get filled with the Holy Spirit, they become machines. Seriously, because they get rooted and grounded in the Word of God and then their theology gets set on fire and they make massive differences in the body. I'm blessed to know a few Bapticostals. How about you? <laughs> so the Holy Spirit is poured out. We have fire, wind, tongues of fire. Let's keep reading in Acts 2. Let's go to verse 32 and 33. Peter's going to preach this sermon He's going to explain to everybody that Joel's prophecy has been fulfilled. He says in Acts 2.32, This Jesus God raised up again, to which we're all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured forth this, this which you both see and hear. Verse 37, Now when the crowd heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent. Let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children until the last apostle dies. Do I, do I have the wrong translation? For the promises for who? For you, for your children, for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to Himself. So walking in the Holy Spirit and experiencing His presence, being baptized in the Holy Spirit is my inheritance because of what Jesus paid for on the cross. It would really upset you if somebody robbed you of your inheritance. Something that rightfully belongs to you gets stolen from you. That should make us mad. That's why it makes me mad when people are deceived and they don't think the Holy Spirit's ministry is for today. I want to make no apologies about this statement. Are you ready? I know you're all shocked. Something controversial. The teaching that the Holy Spirit, that His ministry is not for today, is a doctrine of demons. Flat out. Who would want to convince people that the Holy Spirit doesn't work today? Not Jesus. You think Jesus is like, yeah, you know, tell, tell them all the limitations. No. The Holy Spirit lives to glorify Jesus. I was listening to the critics of the revivals and I was marveling at their unbelief. And the one said, you know, they just talk about the Holy Spirit too much. And churches and ministries that talk about the Holy Spirit all the time, that's a red flag. As if Jesus and the Father are jealous. Like, when are we going to get our time in the, in, to shine? Like the Father's insecure, like, you know, oh, they're really talking about my spirit too much, and I, what about me? The ministry of the Spirit glorifies Jesus, and Jesus reveals the Father to us. They're distinct, yet you can't separate them. And with many other words, he solemnly testified, verse 40, and kept on exhorting them, be saved from this perverse generation. One key to receiving the Holy Spirit and walking in Holy Spirit power is you have to be saved from the perverse generation that you live in. You have to come out of the filth of the world. I know one woman who struggled to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. She was like, I want to pray in tongues. But until God convicted her of gossip, she couldn't pray in the Spirit. When she repented for using her tongue and her lips to tear other people down, when she got that thing out of her and she got it before the Lord, a heavenly language flowed forth. Guys, James chapter 3 says that the tongue is set on fire by hell itself. God wants to take the hardest to control member of your body and tame it for His glory. He wants to, listen, we have a hard time. It says where words increase, so do transgressions. Some of us would do well to go on a word fast and just be quiet 
and listen for the voice of the Lord. We have so many words. We have so much information. But if you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I can teach you, but here's what I can't give you. Hunger. If you're not hungry, if you're not desiring this, if you're not like, I've got to have it. I said earlier that some people are too smart. Can I tell you another reason why? Is because, quite frankly, people just think they can live without it. Like, I'm good. I had my toe in the water, and that's cool with me. Who do you think wants you to settle in your walk with God? Not Jesus. I feel like I need to clarify this stuff because I've heard all kinds of hilarious debates and excuses. And it's like, remember, we tend to criticize what we don't understand. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is entirely biblical. If you want a biblical Christianity, you can't do that without the Holy Ghost. So turn to Acts 8. And the division between those that are saved and not filled is going to become all the more evident. Number 8 is Acts 8. We're going to start in verse 4. And again, I'm laying this out for you so that you can write these references down. I've, I've literally done this with people and it was like, boom, they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They just needed to see it. Acts 8, verse 4. Therefore, those who had been scattered about, they were preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. Now we learn in Acts 21 that Philip is an evangelist. And the multitudes with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was much rejoicing in that city. Does that sound like people in Samaria believe? Yes. Now look at verse 12. But when they believed... Philip's preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were being baptized, men and women alike. Is this good news? This is a good thing we're reading. People are believing in Jesus. They're getting baptized in water. And even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they said, that's good enough, everyone believes in Jesus and has been baptized. No, they said, send them Peter and John. What do Peter and John do when they get there? They lay hands on them, they pray for them that they might what? Receive the Holy Spirit. Because there's more to the deal. (laughs) Y'all hearing me tonight? Verse 16, Luke makes the comment, For the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. So you can believe in Jesus your whole life and live in Acts 19 deception and never know Holy Spirit. And never encounter Holy Spirit for yourself. You can live in Spirit-filled churches. You can be a part of Spirit-filled communities and not get filled with the Spirit of God yourself because of your own unbelief. Because of your own deception, your own sin. Because you say, well, I've got Jesus, I believed in Him. And I'm not saying you're not saved. Clearly they believe. Clearly they've been baptized. But clearly there's something more. I naively thought when we planted this church and we began preaching and ministering that telling people there is more would excite people. I thought people were going to be like, that's awesome, tell me more. And they were like, stone them. Because when you begin to challenge people's paradigm for God, they either have to repent and receive what the Word says, or they have to shut you down and shut you up. 
This is why when the fire of God gets stoked and burning in your life, all of a sudden all your friends and family have a problem with you. All of a sudden, offense spreads like wildfire. Why? Because the enemy's trying to put out the fire of God in your life. You want to fellowship and have friends that are living at a temperature that you want to stay at. Does the scripture not say that bad company corrupts good morals? Lukewarm company puts out God's fire. It is the pride in us that makes us think we're the exception. Oh, I can keep around a whole bunch of lukewarm friends. I'll be fine. No, I can hang out with rebellious people. No, their rebellious attitude's going to get on you. Going to corrupt, going to be the leaven in your heart. I have a mandate on my life. Some of you have heard me say this, but I, the Lord spoke this to me. He said, Paul, I've called you to preach the gospel to the lost and preach the Holy Spirit to the saved. Oh, I was ministering to a... a a pastor of a church. And I'll make this story brief, but man, this blew me away. He goes into this home of someone that has a need, a physical need. And the father in the home has an injury that doesn't allow him to work. And he had shared the gospel with these people. And they believed in Jesus. And they started reading the book and saying, well, if Jesus can heal, can you pray for us for healing? So they asked Him to come over to their house and pray for healing. Now, this brother doesn't believe that God heals today. He has a conflict stirring within his soul. What do I do? This, they want me to pray for him and I don't even believe in this. And he said, just out of saving face, I laid my hand on this guy and I just said, Jesus, please heal him. And he got healed. <laughs> and he comes to me like in secret and is like, well, what do I do? I'm like, you celebrate and you change your theology. Because this encounter is staring you in the face and saying, maybe what I've believed about God and been taught in seminary is just wrong. Now, I don't know how that fits in your grid for, I say, well, they must have got healed because of their faith. Clearly not yours. That's a true story. So Peter and John lay hands on him because they believe, but there's more. Y'all hearing me? Go to Acts 10, verse 44. Acts 10. You guys doing okay? Now we need a Holy Ghost awakening in Indiana. Come on. <laughs> Acts 10. So a man named Cornelius has an encounter with God. Peter has an encounter, has a vision. God connects the two of them. And Peter, who is a Jewish apostle, is sent to the Gentiles. And what you're going to see right here is God is going to open a door of faith. This is the explosion where the message of Jesus moves outside of the Jewish camp and into and starts spilling over into the whole world. So what happens is he's standing there and he's with Cornelius' family and Peter begins to preach the gospel to them. Now watch what happens. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message and all the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. So much for praying in tongues as of the devil. They're speaking in tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. That sounds like the kind of guy I'd want to stay at my house a little longer. 
So Peter preaches the word to them. Do they get baptized in the Spirit or in water first? They get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and Peter's got a choice to make. He's like, um, the Holy Spirit is being poured out just like we experienced in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Surely we can't withhold the water from you, can we? Not people that put down water baptism to lift up spirit baptism. You don't need to do that. We'll take both. We'll take it all. But the thought that you need to be baptized in water before you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, clearly you're not seeing that, right? You're seeing that God is no respecter of persons and that He, when He desires to move, when they hear the gospel, when the good news is preached to them that Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead, then the Holy Spirit is poured out on them. And they begin to speak with tongues and exalt God. Okay, last stop tonight. Luke 11. Luke chapter 11. This is Jesus teaching. We're going to start in verse 9. And I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it shall be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he's asked for an egg, he won't give him a scorpion, will he? If you then being evil, would you say evil? evil. It's good for us to hear that God thinks we're evil. So much for humanism and I'm a good person and everybody's good. No, whatever's good in me is Christ. If you then being evil, the word there means rotten to the core. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Say how much more. How much more shall your heavenly Father give what? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. So if the impulses within me as an evil man want to meet the needs of my own son, how much more God the Father, who is good, who is faithful, who is merciful, who is gracious, who is not limited by anything, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? There is no scriptural precedent for thinking that the Holy Spirit is for some and not you. The Holy Spirit is for all. He's the promise for all who are far off. And how He manifests and demonstrates His power is when we get baptized in the Holy Ghost. When we yield to the Scriptures. Because praying in tongues and prophesying is according to the measure of our faith. No, I don't understand what I'm saying, but that's the whole point. I don't need to. Because I'm glorifying God. So when I'm praying in the Spirit, I'm submitting my will to God's will. I'm submitting my tongue to the Word of God. And so much for waiting on it like it's a burp. Like it's indigestion. Like you have people that are like, okay, am I baptized in the Spirit? Yeah, I'm like, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, I will pray in the Spirit. And I will pray with my understanding. I can pray in tongues right now if I wanted to. Just the way that I can pray in English if I wanted to. Because it's an act of the will. So we have to deal with and confront the abuse of tongues. And it's this, we don't do it enough. Those of us that are baptized in the Holy Spirit, why do we neglect this? The Lord's been challenging me. I want you to turn the music off and just pray in tongues for 15 minutes on your drive-in. I want you to just pray in the Holy Spirit. Just wait on me. One of my favorite stories is Ben Locker. Ben and Katie come over to our house years ago. Was it something like this? I didn't have it this clear then, but I said, yeah, let's open the Scriptures. I mean, they were hungry. I can't give you hunger, but I can teach you. They were hungry. We went through the Scriptures. They go home that night. Ben, the wild man, locks himself in a room with nothing in it. He had an empty room in his house, right? 
and lays in there and says, God, I'm not coming out until I can pray in tongues, until you baptize me in the Holy Spirit. You couldn't live without it. See, but we also get, get scared, especially if you're married and, well, well, he or she's not baptized. No, you just burn. You just burn for Jesus. I know people that they, they, were, they, were, they didn't believe in the Holy Spirit at all, but one of them got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, the husband had to look at his wife and go, well, I know you, and you ain't crazy. And there's no snakes we're playing with. This is just God's power manifesting. I'm telling you, praying in tongues is so beautiful because it tears intellectual Christianity down. We need to do less thinking and more praying. We need to do more meditating on the Word of God and less kicking around our unbelief in our head. So let me, give you, let me run through just a couple of objections because I feel like they're important. I object. Number one is apathy. People are disinterested in God because we're filled up on the things of the world. We have no spiritual appetite because we become carnal. Number two is ignorance. People don't understand the Holy Spirit because they've never been taught. They're simply unaware. It is one of my great joys in life for people that really, really love Jesus. And you say, hey, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, are you sure? And you begin to teach them and show them through the Word. There's so much more, but these are the key passages, I think, that break ignorance when you realize He's a person. That our unbelief, that our doubt, that our accusation can quench and grieve the work of the Spirit. Number three is doubt. Number one, apathy. Two, ignorance. Three is doubt. Why? People suffer the consequences of their unbelief. Can I tell you something? Having to see it to believe it is not faith. Any of y'all seen Jesus crucified? Did you know that God is not neutral about our unbelief? We treat unbelief like it's okay and you're just in process and you're I'm pretty sure Jesus shows up at the end of Mark and he reproaches them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. When we're in a state of unbelief, when we're in a posture of doubt towards God and his word, we need to repent. We need to own it and say, God, I've exalted my own understanding of you above your word and I'm sorry. Teach me who you are through your word. There is no way that anybody would get locked in a room with just the Bible and food and water and come out of it after reading it and say, yeah, I've concluded that God doesn't do that anymore. That type of reasoning is asinine. To go to 1 Corinthians 13 and say, uh, you know, uh, tongues will cease. It also says knowledge will cease. So how has knowledge ceased? And no one can explain that to me. Maybe because knowledge has ceased. <laughs> Number four is arrogance. Because we think that God has to fit in our box. Because God is only limited to what I've seen and experienced. This is the height of arrogance. Number five is abuse. Because people throw out the baby with the bathwater. The minute you start talking about the Holy Spirit, they're ready with their Jim Jones and Kool-Aid and snakes. And it's like, listen, abuse doesn't equal no use. Just because somebody lost their mind doesn't mean that I have to live a stale, dry, boring life. Number six is fear. Because we fear what other people think. Because we're afraid that mom or dad or our sisters, or they'll, they'll judge us. Listen, if they're not saved, they already think you're nuts. Seriously, let me help you out. Here's why I personally don't understand why speaking in tongues and prophecy and miracles is so hard for people. Because to me, it's just like the last stop and you just need to stay on the train. Let me explain. 
If you are a believer, you already think that a Jewish man was God in the flesh 2,000 years ago. He was God. You already think that. You already believe that. And that Jewish man somehow going to the cross forgives you of your sin 2,000 years later. Does that sound out there to anybody? Listen, without faith, I'm aware of what unbelievers think, but do I care? No. We have to stop fearing what people we don't even respect think. We have to stop being afraid of what people that we don't actually want their advice think. So it's not that much of a stretch to say, yeah, and His Spirit lives in us and we pray in the Spirit. Y'all hearing me tonight? I just don't understand what the big deal is. Other than religion grabs a hold of people's minds and makes you afraid and makes you think, you know, it's like speaking in tongues is of the devil. Show me in the Scriptures. Because one of us needs to repent. was meeting with somebody who is non-charismatic and he said, I really don't like spending time with you. <laughs> He's a very kind and gentle person. And he didn't mean this as a dig. He said, because you tear down everything I've heard about charismatics. He said, I, I, I'm having a hard time with how much you love Jesus and the Bible. This is a sincere conversation amongst friends. So we fear what we don't understand. We fear it's the devil. Number seven is control. These are objections. Apathy, ignorance, doubt, arrogance, abuse is five. Six is fear. Seven is control. Why? Because people want their will in their way. You know why the Holy Ghost doesn't move in church services? Control. Because it's safer as a leader to decide what's going to happen before it happens and who's going to say the this and the that and the amen. But if the Holy Ghost begins to move, things could get outside of our box and outside of our control. Guys, listen. If you don't understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you actually quench the Spirit of God before He even moves. Because in your thinking and in your understanding, you say, here's what God is going to do. And so I start asking people, are you here to tell me that you predict perfectly what the Holy Ghost is going to do every week for years on end? And you must be hearing more clearly than me. Because I'm telling you, God has us pr pray, prepare, plan, study, and then He's like, hey, trash that message. People ask me, they're like, what do you do with the messages that you prepare that you don't get to preach? I'm like, I must not have been anointed. <laughs> but if we're not worshiping our own intellect, if we're not addicted to hearing ourselves talk, and we just want God, things begin to shift in our lives and shift in our churches. You know how many people are hungry for the Holy Spirit right now? They're dying to go and be a part of a place of a ministry all over. God is raising up spirit-filled houses in the earth all over. All over the world. I'm here to tell you that denominations are rapidly on the decline. Because people that are drunk and high and in living lives of adultery and immorality and fun, they don't want to come in and, and just be bored out of their minds. They want something real. I mean, I've seen drug addicts filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're like, that was the best high I've ever had. Like, and you don't have to have any of the regret, any of the guilt, any of the shame, any of the remorse afterwards. You can have more because guess what? There's one baptism but many fillings. The same group that's baptized in Acts chapter 2 is then filled again in Acts 4.32. And the place is shaken. And when they get filled again, it says they spoke the word of God with boldness. Yeah. 
So part of being filled with the Spirit is speaking God's Word with boldness. When you get baptized in the Holy Ghost and things start to break out at work or there's an argument about God or there's something happening, that boldness of the Holy Spirit rises up in you and you begin to preach and proclaim because God is motivating you and stirring you. Because you don't have to have... listen. Perhaps the answer to our fear of man is not more counseling, it's baptism in the Holy Ghost. Would you stand with me? Listen, I have seen people Baptized in the Holy Spirit in an instant. A lot of times what happens is people get hands laid on them and then they go home and in the private and the quiet of their own home, they begin to pray in the Spirit and prophesy and hear the voice of the Lord. But I want to ask you specifically tonight, if you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, if there's any mental block in you, if there's anything that is preventing you or hindering you from more of the Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to raise your hand right now. We're just going to go to the Lord together. Just begin to cry out to God. We're just going to enter into prayer and to worship. And we're going to ask God to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to fill us with the Holy Spirit afresh tonight. This is for you. This is your inheritance. This is what Jesus paid for, is to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. God, I ask right now all over this room with every hand lifted tonight for more of You, that You would release a fresh infilling, a baptism in the Holy Ghost. God, we cry out for the power that You promised tonight. We ask You, Lord, for miracle, wonder-working power that the sick would be healed, that the lame would walk, that the deaf would hear, that the blind would see, that You would perform signs and wonders and miracles like we've never seen that you would demonstrate that you are God that your greatness is unsearchable that there's no one like you Jesus if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit already just begin to pray with me and pray in the Holy Ghost let's shift this atmosphere we're moving out of unbelief and into faith right now God, we have to have you. Lord, we're desperate. We're hungry. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come forward right now. Especially if you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost. Tonight's your night, not tomorrow. Tomorrow.